J.J. Cooper here, another Baseball America Playoff Podcast solo edition today. Going to cover both the Dodgers' absolute walloping of the Braves and the Astros staying alive in the uh, ALCS. Give us to a Game 5 with their narrow win, held on to beat the Rays last night. It was two games, but really, let's be honest, if, if you're just a fan of baseball, it was an inning and a half, two innings of uh, Braves-Dodgers that was worth watching, and after that it was playing out the string. And then we did have a very compelling second game. We'll start with the first game, though. What do you say about that first inning? Kyle Wright's up-and-down season that had been up lately, had a great outing in his one start in the division series. It was way, way, way down here. You know, 11 runs in the first inning, not all on him. Grant Dayton to give up a uh, grand slam to Max Muncy as well. But overall, a not just a, a very disappointing outing for Wright and the Braves, but also a concerning one because Atlanta, if they are going to win a World Series, they have to be able to count on Kyle Wright to start at least one game in the next round as well. First, obviously, they have to get there. But if they do, they do need to count on Kyle Wright. They have Max Fried. They have Ian Anderson. They don't have a whole lot else. They need Cal Wright, and this was one of those outings where you wonder how well is he going to be able to bounce back from that. The interesting part about this, something they mentioned on the broadcast, is that he pitched so little. He pitched so poorly, and he pitched so little, he he never got up and down. He did throw roughly, I think, 29 pitches, I think it was, but he never got up and down. He could pitch again in this series. He can treat this as the worst throw day that anyone will ever have. He could pitch later on. And it'll be interesting to see because, again, they are going to get to use free again in the series if they need to, Annie and Anderson. But the the rest of this is a little bit of a question who's going to go. Uh, we just, we've got Bryce Wilson going for the Braves in Game 4. Bryce Wilson, who does not have a whole lot of experience at the Major League level in this role. And that's going to be a question. And I think you could almost treat that as an extension banded and extended outing from the open starter, but could be almost more of a bullpen day. Then the Braves, especially depending on if they're up 3-1 or if it's 2-2, have the decision, do you bring back Max Freed on short rest? Well, okay, let's say you did. Let's say you brought back Max Freed on short rest. Let's say you brought back Ian Anderson on short rest. And let's say after that it's 3-3. Well, who do you turn to in Game 7? <laughs> Is it Kyle Wright? Probably don't feel all great about that. Is it Oscar Anoa who pitched the deepest and most effectively of any of the Braves pitchers? But at the same time, he did so in a game that was already far, far, far out of reach at that point. So as good as his four innings were, you do have a little bit of a question of is that an absolutely indicative uh, uh, showing or is that playing out the string in a game that where everyone at the ballpark knew, okay, the, the key thing about this is, is eating innings and getting to tomorrow. And Anoa, by the way, threw almost 100 pitches. He's in a situation where Game 7 probably is about the time where he's really ready to go again. You've kind of taken him out of the rest of the series, and I I say that only because he's a guy who has served as kind of the opener in some cases for the Braves, has looked, had shown flashes for them. He's really not probably an option in Game, you know, it, it really for the next several days because of how deep he threw. The Braves did get through that bullpen game that, absolutely a stinker for them without taxing their the 
the, their main guys in the bullpen too much. So they didn't put themselves in horrible position. And an L is an L, a loss in that game where you were out of it uh basically before you ever step to the plate is no different than losing into the bottom of the ninth from the standpoint of it both count as a loss. But that said, it's, it's hard to imagine a game, one game twisting a series as much as that did, not just because the Dodgers get back in it and the Dodgers are a great team as we've talked about throughout this postseason. But on top of that, the question being, okay, does this mean that Kyle Wright doesn't have a role the rest of the series or does he and that's a very tough question because if if he does start another game, and again, I don't think he will in this series now, but if he does, because the, the Braves don't have a ton of options, if he did, you obviously would not feel great going into that game about his chances against this very ferocious Dodgers lineup. Beyond that, you know, you can talk about the, the we should talk about the Dodgers hitters and just how impressive they were. You had you had guys going for cycles, you know, before the uh, fourth inning, which uh, is not not normal. How, how about that, Julio Urias? Uh, I I talk about a pitcher's best friend. <laughs> Here you go. You have the the ball. By the way, you've got an eleven run lead. Don't blow it. To his credit, he didn't. He gave him five innings. It, pitching wise, it, it was it was great for the Dodgers. They got to give Kenley Jansen an outing in kind of a uh, a very very, very low stress situation. I it, It's hard to pick one offensive star for the Dodgers because Jock Peterson, uh, you know, started it off. We had Edwin Rios getting a chance. We had Cody Bellinger, Mac Muncy. But I, I would say if you're if you're picking one, I, I guess it's it's probably Corey Seager, who actually, you know, two pitches into the game kind of got things going. And, and you could kind of call him that he he. He basically uh, set the stage with that with that early home run. But overall, just a game that it, it set a lot of records. It's not one that we'll uh, replay a whole lot if if you're you or me probably, just because you know again you want your games to be compelling and and that stopped being compelling pretty early on, pretty pretty early on. But so that takes us to the nightcap, which was much much more compelling. Obviously, there are the obvious storylines. Jose Altuve, who's had real trouble throwing in this series and and really can say that he kind of cost the uh, the Astros at least a game with his throwing error. He pretty much won them a game or played a large role in winning them a game last night. He has the early home run in the first inning. And then he also adds uh, the key double. And, and really, that kind of gave the Astros a lead that they hung on to. The interesting thing, this is the thing I probably want to dive into the most. I don't know how much of it was basically Dusty Baker trusting Zach Greinke because it's Zach Greinke. Because there was a situation in Greinke's last inning of work, in the sixth inning. Basically, Dusty Baker, who did go to the mound, if I remember correctly, decided to leave Greinke in. Greinke faced a situation, bases loaded with Mike Brasso at, at the plate. And he opts to leave him in, and Greinke, where, where basically a single ties the game at that point, he, he rewarded the uh, Dusty Baker's uh, confidence in him because he, he gets the he gets the out gets the strikeout from a right of Rosso, and then hands it over to Christian Javier, who was excellent again. Did did eventually leave in the ninth, handed over to Ryan Presley. The the Rays did had one more shot in the ninth to. Uh, 
to, to, to try to come back and, and really kind of gave it a, uh, uh, they, they gave it a, a pretty good run there in the ninth. They have Yoshi Susugo up at the plate, Willie Adamas, the tying run at third and Susugo gives it a, a ride, but flies out deep right field. Before that, Willie Adamas had hit a double that was about five feet away from being a game-tying homer. Uh, that actually seems like a little bit of uh, kind of evening out of the luck, I guess, in the series, because it sure felt like earlier in this series, there was a lot of times where the Astros hit balls that if they'd have been five feet different in a different direction, a little higher, a little to the left, a little to the right, it could have really blown open some games. But but I, I wanted to circle back to the Grinky staying in there in the sixth the thing I do wonder with that is, is how much of that is just trusting in a veteran, the guy who's kind of been effectively this year your ace once Justin Verlander went down, even though he's, as far as performance, I wouldn't say he's been the most productive starting pitcher that the Astros have had. But how much of it is that? And how much of it is, is that we're playing best of seven series without any rest, days of rest? I, I focus on this a lot because I do find this really fascinating to try to get a sense of that. I went back and looked at every ALCS and NLCS game going back to 2017. So that's, uh, uh, you know, that's a reasonable sample. I'm not going to say it's a great sample size, but the problem is you go back before that and, and kind of felt like we, the era of the bullpen game and all really kind of started. You could really argue maybe in some ways it had happened before, but but the the Brewers, when they were in the the NLCS, really kind of, took it to a new level uh, in the 2018 NLCS. But so I want to look at those and then compare it to what we've seen this year. And obviously, if I said that my sample for the old ALCS and NLCSs, the LCSs were, were pretty skinny, we only have seven games so far in 2020 in the LCSs. So I, I don't want to make broad sweeping generalizations off of this, but something is notable. So far... In the LCS this year, we're seven games in. So that means we've had 14 starting pitchers. In those 14 games, we have only had one who has failed to pitch four innings. Kyle Wright last night. That wasn't because of anything other than Kyle Wright pitched so poorly, they had to pull him from the game. We've also only had two starting pitchers other than Kyle Wright fail to go five. So... So with that, that was the uh, Tony Gonsolin-Ian Anderson game. Ian Anderson went four, Gonsolin went four and a, and, and a third. So with that, we've had a whole lot of guys going five, six, and in one only, only one case, but in one case, seven. And to look back at recent LCS history before this year, well, normally only guys have only worked five innings or more 59% of the time in the 2017 to 2019 LCSs. This year so far, admittedly, again, acknowledging we're only four games in in the uh, AL and three games in in the NL. But that is happening 79% of the time. Pitchers are working five innings or longer, starting pitcher. Also, from the previous sample, 2017, 21% of the time, a pitcher has failed to work four innings in a start. And I went through and looked at that, and you have one, two, three, four, five, six, six and a half to, you know, there was the one Wade Miley game where he didn't even get an out, but they also were going to pull him, and then Brandon Woodruff came in and pitched 
almost like a starter. But if you can even call that one, you got like seven bullpen games in here. This year, we haven't had a bullpen game so far. We, we expect to have one today, although watch Bryce Wilson go out and throw five or something. But, but 21% of the time, you had pitchers throw less than four innings, either because of a bullpen game or because of a quick hook. This year, so far, that has happened 7% of the, of the outings, which is obviously that one Kyle Wright outing. It does seem like taking the days of rest away has led teams, has led, I would say managers, but managers and front offices at this point. That's, let's just acknowledge the reality of where we are in 2020. It has pushed them to have starters go further on. Now, maybe this changes over the second half of these series, but so far... Teams absolutely are relying on their starters to go further in games. And maybe that is because, and I would say, I think it is because somewhat of the, the lack of rest. You can't wear out your bullpens, even with more expanded bullpens as we have this year with the expanded rosters. The one other thing that I found very notable in doing that is we may pine if you are a, a, a more of a traditionalist fan or if you're a fan who looks back and goes, you remember what it used to be. We may pine for the pitchers who go eight or nine innings, the starter, you know, the, the Jack Morris, John Smoltz battle of 1991, where the two basically said, you know, first one to tap out, you know, maybe his team loses. But we're not there anymore. In that entire, and again, I didn't look at World Series, but in those LCSs, there was one complete game and Justin Verlander did it uh, one time. I, I think you probably remember 2017 AFCS. I remember, you know, it, it sticks in my mind because it's so rare nowadays. You also have only had two other games in the entirety of that sample where a pitcher got an out in the eighth inning. The reality of it is, is that nowadays, if you're an ace and you can get to the seventh and you hand the ball over to your bullpen for the eighth inning, I really do think in 2020, that is the equivalent of a guy getting a CG back in 1985 in the playoffs or 1975 or even maybe 1995. That's where we are nowadays. That is understandable. That's just the way the game is. And by the way, for these pitchers, we also live in a world now where instead of it being where, oh, okay, don't worry, you know, it's going to take a couple of hits to kind of start a rally. When we live in a game where, a lot of the runs come on homers. You don't get that rope because a pitcher doesn't really run into trouble as much sometimes as, as we saw yesterday with Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright was down two runs, two pitches into that game. You don't have time to let a pitcher kind of work his way through or not. When you get in those late innings, teams are risk averse. They're going to hand it over to the bullpen. I don't think that's going to change. But I do think that having no days of rest in the LCSs has push teams to let their starters go further. And I at least personally feel like that that's a positive thing because I do think that that means as far as the casual fan, it is easier to enjoy a game watching Zach Greinke try to dance around trouble in the sixth inning than it is a game where you see Zach Greinke pitch a solid three to four, hand the ball off to the bullpen, and then it's an assembly line. It's a conveyor belt of reliever after reliever after that. And in those situations, I don't think you develop as much of the narrative of the game. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. Major League teams, their job is to win games. And if it is utterly unpleasing aesthetically, not their problem. Their job is to win games. No one gets hired or fired after how interesting your team wins. But it is MLB's job to 
to ensure that the game does remain aesthetically pleasing. And whether it was intentional or unintentional, I do think that the lack of days off in the LCSs, and we saw in the Division Series this year, have added to that this year. And that'll be something interesting to watch over the rest of the series. We've got two games again today. We didn't know if we would, but we do have two games again today. It'll be exciting to watch tonight. And and really, I, I guess right now you would say the Dodgers probably have a very good shot of, of turning what was 2-0 into 2-2. Much more uh, kind of up in the air, I would say, on the, the Astros race side. But obviously the Dodgers, again, when you're facing Bryce Wilson, who not exactly uh, a whole lot of starting experience in the majors and not a, lot, a whole lot of starting success in the majors, I think you say advantage Dodgers tonight. So it'll be interesting to see. We will be back again tomorrow with another Baseball America Playoff podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.